0: If you have a bulletin, perhaps you've read the front of it. Maybe you have a bulletin and you didn't read anything on it yet. But I want you to see the front page. Because there's some basic questions about prayer we want to address this morning. Steve, if you'd cut off those lights right back there, that would help maybe a little bit. Thank you. This is enough right here for everybody to deal with this. I can see my notes and we can go on question is, uh, do we pray as much as we would like to? (laughs) Probably not. Most people I talk to, including myself, do not. If not, is it because you don't know how to pray? That's often an issue. Or that you don't think you have time to pray? That may be the bigger issue. Can we pray more? Should we pray more? What will happen if we do? So those are the questions of today. Most Christians, you see, know that praying is important. Most of us know that we should be praying every day, but not all of us do it. Prayer is one of those places where we often fail to do as much as we know we should do. And we may regret it. We, we may even feel ashamed about it. We may, uh, after years, be struggling to figure this thing out. So if you've ever struggled with prayer, would you just raise your hand a little bit for me this morning? Yeah, see, that, that's a pretty common issue. It's about, could I say 99% of us? <laughs> At least 90. saw a lot of hands edging up there. This is a struggle. What can we do about it? How can we change the way we feel? How can we become stronger in our faith as a result of prayer? Recently, our minister's group that Christian and I belong to is called a fusion group. met and we, we discussed, we had read this uh, book by Dave Early. It's called Prayer, The Timeless Secret of High-Impact Leaders. As excellent book, excellent book, and a really convicting book in many ways. And he mentions early on that this is a good book for leadership, especially for pastors or preachers, because most of us don't pray as we should. Several surveys he mentions. He said one survey came out and said that pastors... On average only prayed seven minutes a day. Does that surprise you? Seven minutes? Another one said and eighty percent of them agreed that and admitted that they spend less than fifteen minutes a day in prayer. And then the most generous survey that he mentioned, Pastor's actually got a break here that we pray thirty seven minutes out of every day. Hmm, that just didn't sound very good to me. Seven minutes, 15 minutes, 37 minutes out of 1,440 minutes a day? Is that good? Well, I don't think that's very good for those of us who are supposedly leading a congregation somewhere. We're supposedly trying to inspire and encourage and and uh, equip and and train and edify the body of Christ. So as I read this book... I had to think of myself, and the bad thing was, at the end of every chapter, there's a few questions for me, you know, and I, I had to sit down and say, "Whoa, what about me?" I mean, there's this other survey. There's all these other pastors, but what about me? And I was strongly convicted by the weakness of my own prayer life, and that has led to today's sermon: the difference prayer can make. Is praying making a difference in your life? Is it making a difference in the lives of people that you should be praying for? If not, why not? That's the issue today. And I want you to pray with me as we begin. Father, I just pray that we would uh, offer to you heartfelt, sincere prayers this moment. I confess to you that even as a pastor, as a leader in the local church, I don't pray as much as I should. I don't pray as often as I should. And I don't depend on you sometimes, as I should. And I feel like there's so many in this congregation, Lord, that are in the same boat. Uh, After years of following you, of serving you, of loving you, of reading your word, and all the other things we do to worship you, we still struggle communicating with you and allowing you to communicate with us. Help us today, Lord, to move many steps closer to the ideal, to, to what you desire. Help us to honestly confess where we are and where we need to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If prayer is not making the difference that it should, it's a crying shame, isn't it? It's an embarrassment. If the if church is not a praying church, if if the body of Christ is not coming together and uniting in prayer, then we're missing out on one of the greatest Weapons we have in our spiritual arsenal, aren't we? I mean, this this is not like a magical thing. This is not like this special thing we do so that we get you know special gift and special power through prayer. It, it, the emphasis isn't, isn't even on prayer. It's the one to whom we are praying. I have a, a little pet peeve, you know. Prayer changed that. Prayer didn't change anything. It was God that changed that. It was prayer that connected us with the God who could change that. So when we don't pray, we miss out on the greatest power, and the greatest wisdom known to man, and that is God himself. We miss out on the relationship with God. It's not that prayer is so special, but that the one to whom we pray and the one who communicates with us that is so special, he is the one that can change anything. Often we give this excuse, I don't have time to pray. I just don't know where I could find that. I understand that. It's perfectly understandable that you and I have this problem. We have a busy schedule, don't we? We have things going on from morning till night, or from night till morning, if you're a night person. We have all these things that are constantly weighing on our minds. We don't even get them all done. And so we wonder, how could we pop Possibly slip some prayer time into that? How can we possibly find time to do that? But even thinking that we're too busy to pray shows that we don't understand what prayer is. We don't understand that prayer actually saves time, that prayer actually allows us to do more in the rest of the time than we would if we hadn't stopped to pray. Prayer is not a time waster, prayer is a time saver. And the moments or minutes or hours that you spend in prayer are some of the best times you can have of your life, the best use of time in your life. We can spend massive amounts of energy doing all sorts of things to have an impact in this world. But when we leave God out of that, we're going to be disappointed. We're going to see the very limited result. We're going to see a lack of success or a very marginal success. But when God is included when we invoke God's blessing and God's direction and God's power, things begin to happen so much better and so much faster than they would have if we had just went on alone on our own. If we had just depended on ourselves, so prayer is this powerful time saver. That's the first thing I want you kind of capture here this morning. It is not a time waster; it's a time saver. And any moments, any minutes you spend in prayer would actually be a great benefit to you or me. And once we understand this, we will say, along with a few others who got it, I'm too busy not to pray. I am not too busy to pray, but too busy not to. The Christians whose lives are making an impact on this world would understand what we all need to understand. There is an unlimited reach of prayer. You are limited, I'm limited. There's only so much time, there's only so much energy, so much physical strength that we may have to, to bring to any situation. But through prayer, there's this unlimited reach because now we've brought God into it and God can do anything. We know He's all-powerful, we know He's all-knowing, we know that He is everywhere and when we pray to Him, there is no limit to what can be done as we pray. Prayer is unlimited by time, by location, by distance. Prayer invites God to work in people's lives 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We don't even have to be on the same side of the globe as them. And it's thrilling to me to think that I can sit down in my chair where I have my devotions and I can lift up some people in Burma and I can pray for them. And I don't have to go there. I don't even have to know what's going on currently in their lives. But God automatically works. And God is automatically doing things in their lives just because of me sitting here in Manassas, Virginia, praying for them. Is that thrilling to you or not? To see that God can cross all those barriers and all those limitations and God can do things in Thailand or or India or whatever place you're concerned about. If you have friends or you have family. You have uh, military friends, and they're, they're in Iraq, or they're in Afghanistan, or they're some other place. You can pray for them any moment, and immediately God is working in some way in their lives. You don't have to be the pastor. You don't have to be a church leader to pray like that. In fact, it might be better if you're not, because some of us who have a, a special position or, or maybe some skills or, or education, sometimes fall back on those things rather than on God. And all of us need to learn to not depend on ourselves, but to depend on God. The greatest prayer warrior is the most humble person who realizes how much we need God to do what only God can do. Max Lucado said something really neat that I really liked. He says, When we work... We work. But when we pray, God works. (laughs) Man, does that change things. It's no longer what you or I can do, even what we could do as a group. But God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere at the same time, is brought into that equation. The power of Almighty God is wrapped up in prayer. So prayer to Almighty God becomes our best defensive weapon and our best offensive weapon at the same time. Billy Graham once said this way, More can be done by prayer than anything else. Prayer is our greatest weapon. In this modern age, we have learned to harness the power of the mighty Niagara and turn its force to our use and our good. We have learned to hold steam captive. And boilers and to release its tremendous power to turn our machines and pull our trains. We have learned to contain gasoline vapors in a cylinder and explode them at the appointed second to move our automobiles and trucks along our highways. We have even discovered the secret of releasing energy in the atom which is capable of destroying entire cities and civilizations. But very few of us, he says, have learned to fully develop the power of prayer. How we learn to, need to learn this lesson. How we need to, to bring this information, this principle, this power into our lives. So here's the question of the day. How can we pray more? How can we pray better? How can we become more effective in our work by becoming more effective in our prayers? Why don't you turn with me this morning to a book near the end of the Bible. It's called James. It was a letter written by one of the Christian leaders in the first century. It was uh, under the Holy Spirit, of the, uh, the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And as James writes, he addresses a lot of different issues. And as he's drawing his, his letter to the churches to a conclusion, he's got a few things on his mind, things that he wants to emphasize right at the end. So in chapter 5, we're down to verse 13. And these are some of the final things James will say to the people who received his letter. Let's read together. Follow along. Is any one of you in in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, to anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Now this is a very interesting paragraph right here at the end of James' letter. We could spend several weeks exploring all these verses, but what I want to focus on is this effectiveness thing. How can prayer be more effective? How can prayer make a difference in this world? How can we find prayer that changes things? James poses three situations. Is anyone in trouble? Is anyone happy? Is anyone sick? And he gives the same basic answer. He says, you need to turn to God about this. You need to pray to God. You need to praise God. You need to turn to God's people to pray for you. The answer in all these situations and all the circumstances of life is to turn to God. This is the difference that happens between the person of power and impact and the person who has no power impact. One is living under their own strength, under their own wisdom, under their own uh, influence. The other one is living under the strength and wisdom and influence of Almighty God. Then James says in dramatic fashion, he says, prayer will heal the sick. Prayer will provide forgiveness for sinners. And he says, your prayers can be powerful and effective. So turn to God. Now, you may have trouble believing that. Grant Van Borshoten said that Christians uh, many times are not excited about prayer. If you're struggling with prayer because uh, you really don't think prayer is that effective, you may be in one of two camps. He says the first one is those who have never witnessed something really dramatic. They never saw this dramatic answer to prayer, either firsthand or in the life of somebody that they're close to. And so they can't seem to get excited about it because they don't seem to really change anything, so why spend time? Wouldn't I be spend time, spending time better if I go do something else? Then there's a second category of people who sometime earlier knew about God, knew about the power of God, even experienced a change, but who have forgotten it because it was time, years ago. It was, it was a long time ago. They've kind of gone past that. They've kind of, kind of drifted away in their commitment to God. And if prayer is about being close to God, they're just kind of letting that loosen up. And, and they, they, there's this distance. And prayer that used to be so strong in their lives, used to be so so exciting, is now way off in the distance. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> some people are doubting, like doubting Thomas. You know, I want to see this with my own eyes. I'm not going to do it. And some people have just kind of gotten used to this and drifted from God. And you may be finding yourself in one of those two camps today, or maybe a third camp where prayer just isn't that important to you. I want to speak to you today. I want you to to realize that this is a very important thing for you to develop in your life. I want you to listen closely and consider how prayer can have an impact in our lives and in our world. At the end of the paragraph, James mentions a guy from the Old Testament named Elijah. You know Elijah? One of the great prophets. Did some amazing things. He battled the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel. Remember that? And he told the people, you know, we're going to pray to God and see which one sends fire from heaven to light the altar and, and uh, get, get the wood going here. And, and the prophets of Baal failed. But in one simple prayer, Elijah showed that God was God and the people responded and turned their hearts back to God. This is a very, very powerful individual. And James points out a, a less less known Uh, event in his life when he prayed that there wouldn't be any rain. It actually led up to the same time, the the, uh, prophets of Baal and Mount Carmel, and there hadn't been rain for a long time, for three and a half years, because Elijah prayed, God, in order to show the king that you're in charge, I want you to stop the rain, and don't start it again until I pray. For three and a half years this went on, and then at the end of that time he prayed again, and the rains came as they had before. Now, James says that Elijah was a man just like us. He didn't have any special insights. He didn't have any special in-track with God. He didn't have any special giftedness or you know a little secret coated ring or something. He didn't have the secret handshake. He didn't have anything that would put him in a special place with God, except that he was devoted. He loved God. And every time something had in, happened in his life, some circumstance came up. The first thing he did was turn to God. That was the only difference. But he was a man like us. What can we learn here that will help us to have the kind of prayer that changes things? Three things. First of all, the kind of prayer that changes things is true. Really simple. True. kind of prayer that changes things is honest and sincere. That's what I mean by true. Two things here. It is honest and that it's open, it's, it's honest about our own place where we are with God, good or bad. Whether we're on track with God or we're struggling here. And if there is not honesty with God, then you might as well not pray. It's the only prayer he will accept. And a lot of people pray and are never heard by God or never really received and God doesn't give them an answer. Because there's no honesty behind it and their prayers just bounce off the ceiling because God will not hear a dishonest prayer. And the other one is sincerity. Are you sincere in what you're saying, in what you're praying for, sincere in your motives, sincere uh, in your genuineness about this whole experience of prayer. So the kind of prayer that changes things is true. A person who is totally honest before God and totally sincere in what they're praying You know, God is not impressed with how we look. We have people dressed in a lot of different ways today, but it doesn't matter to God. You could be wearing a coat and tie, or you could come in in shorts and t-shirt, and and God doesn't care about that. He wants to know what's going on inside. He wants to know what's happening in your heart. He wants us to see that we are honest about who we are and, and how we think and how we're behaving, how our attitude is towards other people. And because He knows us better than we even know ourselves, He knows a phony, doesn't He? He knows a person that's pretending. He knows a person that, for everyone else, he's wearing this beautiful mask, You know, and it looks like he's got it all together. And everyone is impressed by this individual, by the appearance. But God says, you got to look behind that. What's going on in their heart? And that's why James says in the same passage that we are to confess our sins to each other, and to pray for each other so that we may be healed. Because all of us have stuff. All of us have bad things going on inside of us and we've made bad choices, and we've sinned, and we've, we've fallen short of what God wants. And the beginning point, then, of a of a prayer of effectiveness is honesty. Of humbling ourselves before God and saying, God, this is where I am. We need to admit that we're sinners in need of His grace and His forgiveness. We need to admit our failures and our, fa- our fears. We need to admit our, our mess-ups and our inability to fully and easily trust Him. You know, I'm struggling here, God. You need to be honest when you pray with God. I want to pray more. I want to trust more, but I'm really having trouble getting there. And God wants that that genuineness that comes out that way. The righteousness that James speaks of here is not perfection. He says a righteous man has prayers that are powerful and effective. It's not sinlessness, or none of us could ever be righteous, could we? What has happened is that Jesus has transferred His righteousness to us when we put our faith in Him. And the person who lives in light of what has has been done by God's grace, that that we have a righteousness not our own, that person in that honesty and that honest walk before God then can pray and have an effective prayer life. So here's the first thing. God wants us, you and me, to be honest in our prayers. Tell Him you love Him if you love Him. If you're disappointed in Him, tell Him you're disappointed in Him. If you're angry with Him, tell Him you're angry with Him. If you wonder what He's up to and why the prayers haven't been answered in the past and why things are going the way they are and and it seems like your life is spiraling in the wrong direction, then admit that. Say that to God. Just be honest. It's the only way to begin. It's the only way to continue your prayers in God. To be effective in prayer is then you need to begin by getting your heart right with God, getting open with Him. First John 1 and says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. First point, okay? Second point, the kind of prayer that changes things is tenacious. Or if you want to put another word, the word tough. It hangs in there. We read in James 5.17, Elijah was a human being, as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and did not rain for three and a half years. Elijah prayed earnestly. He prayed fervently. He prayed persistently. In his prayers, I'm sure emotion. Elijah showed great emotion, great zeal for God. Because a fervent prayer conveys our passion. Our desire for something to happen. Have you ever prayed for something and you prayed really hard that it would happen and it didn't? Have you ever been so disappointed you stopped? Have you ever prayed in a time when you just couldn't get something off your mind? You couldn't get it out of your head? Did you maybe pray for it day after day or maybe even week after week and it just never seemed to happen and eventually you gave up on it? I wonder how many times God doesn't answer our prayer immediately, because all he's doing is checking to see what we really want. He's just checking to see, is this something you're really passionate about? Because so many times in my prayer, I got all excited one day about something, and I prayed really hard for that. I thought, this is perfect. This is exactly what God must want. This is right for me. This is right for my family. And I prayed really hard, and about a week later, I didn't remember to pray for that. Because <laughs> it didn't matter. And it had changed. changed wasn't so important to me anymore. And God says, okay, now I know. Now I know what you think. Now I know what you're thinking about this. The kind of prayer that changes things is tenacious. It keeps on praying day after day and week after week and month after month, year after year. It is a prayer that we keep bringing back to God over and over again. In fact, uh, God is checking to see what we really want and if what we really want is what He wants. Many of you know the Barefoot doctor students that, that I've worked with in Thailand, that they're actually from Burma. Do you know anything about the history of Burma or Myanmar? There was a, a Christian man in the early 1800s named Adoniram Judson. You ever hear of him? He, he and his wife, just the two of them left England they went over to, to Burma. There were no known Christians in this country of millions. No known Christians. A lot of them were animists and a lot of them were Buddhists. And, and they went into this country to proclaim Christ. He went in to learn their language. Nobody had the written Burmese language. And so he's developing a written language and he's he's translating, trying to translate the Bible, you know, into their language so that the, so that the people could could really understand this and this could spread. But year after year nothing's happening. His first wife died. He married again, that wife died. Two of his children died. It was six years of this kind of life until he had the first convert. At one point, Adonai M. Judson was thrown into prison by the authorities. They tried to get him to, to give up on his faith you know, and, and stop what he was doing. Sometimes they hung him upside down for days to, to torture him, to get him to, to, to recant or to change what he was doing, and he refused. Eventually, he was let loose. And he continued preaching, continued translating, continued doing whatever he could for God as he prayed. And when he died, the the official census of Burma said there were two hundred twenty thousand Christians now in Burma. And today there are about four million. And most of them trace their Christian heritage back to this one man who said, I am going to pray with tenacity. I am going to work with persistence. And so he did. Third kind of prayer that changes things is a prayer that trusts God. That sounds almost too simple to say. But that's why you're praying. Because your trust is not in yourself, it's in God. It is a prayer that trusts God completely, not to do what we prayed for, but to do whatever is best for us or for those for whom we pray. Let's go back and let's read James 5, 13-15 again. Is anyone in trouble? You should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Call the elders to pray over him. And anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Let me point out a phrase in verse 15. It's this simple phrase, a prayer offered in faith. James states some amazing results. Sick people will be made well. Sinners will be forgiven. We could add other amazing results to our prayers today, couldn't we? People that that we have prayed for. Lives have been transformed. Marriages have been saved. The lost have been found. God does amazing things when His people pray. And we hear story after story about this. And I know that James said that the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. But I want you to understand something else on the back side of this. That we are never given a promise that everything we pray for will happen the way we want it to. Jesus said, if you pray for this in My name, it will be given you. But that in My name qualifies that. If you pray asking for His name to be glorified, praying for His will to be done, it will be done. And so someone like Adoniram Judson says to himself, nothing's happening in Burma, but I know God loves the Burmese. I know that God wants them to be saved. And I will go so that God can use me to take the message to the Burmese people. And in your life and in mine, we don't know every prayer that's going to be answered and how it's going to be answered. But we know that if we trust God to do whatever is best, That will happen. We trust the heart of God because He wants people to be saved. We trust the heart of God because He wants marriages to be restored. We trust the heart of God because He wants lives transformed. But we don't control that. He does. Our prayer is just to trust Him for those answers. And to trust Him completely. To trust Him implicitly. To trust Him unreservedly. Effective prayer is not trusting that God will do whatever we ask, but that God will do whatever is best. Elijah prayed on Mount Carmel at a high point of his life when he was going to show to the people who the true God is. And 850 prophets of Baal stood up and prayed to their false god that he would send fire from heaven on their altar that they had built. And nothing happened all day long. And then Elijah got up and he prayed one simple prayer. God, show that you're the true God. These people need to know that you are the only God. And fire came from heaven and burned up the wood, consumed the water that they had put in trenches around the altar. And the people all fell on their faces before God because of this demonstration. What a what a glorious day of prayer for Elijah. The next hour, he finds out Queen Jezebel's after him. He's going to, she's going to kill him. And he runs for his life. And he runs for days and he finds himself out in the wilderness and he prays again. Now a prayer of desperation. God, my circumstances have changed here just a little bit. Instead of being the mighty prophet up now on the the mountain and everybody's bowing down to you because of the words I said and the prayers I offered, now I'm being hunted down. And in depression and discouragement, he prays God would just take his life and God has a different answer than that. He still has something for Elijah to do. So prayer is the first thought of Elijah's life, of his mind. Prayer is the first thing he did, whatever his circumstances were. But he prayed a prayer of trust. God, here's where I am. Here's what's going on. I'm desperate here. or I'm just excited here. But God, I trust you for what happens next. Dave Early said in this book I mentioned, pray first. And then pray until you either know what to do next, or you have peace that God has it all under control. That's all you can do. Pray first, no matter your circumstance. And then pray until you know what to do, or you have peace that God has it under control. Henry Blackaby said, you don't have to be a spiritual giant before God answers your prayer. But God does expect you to enter His presence with a keen sense of your need for His forgiveness. The heartfelt prayers of a desperate sinner gain God's immediate attention. So pray for forgiveness. Pray fervently. And watch God work. If you think that your prayers today or before today were weak and ineffective and you're not very excited about them, you don't find time to do it, you don't think it's important, there's other things you could do with your time, then I encourage you, I implore you this morning, get your heart right with God. Be true in your prayers. Be honest. Be sincere. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're going through, no matter how you even feel about God today, go to Him in prayer. Communicate with Him and let Him communicate with you so that you can get your heart right with God. Otherwise, your prayers are meaningless. You want them to be effective. That's the beginning point. Secondly, be tenacious. Be consistent. Be persistent in praying. Understand that getting with God is more important than anything else you could do with your life, with your time. So make a place for that. Make time for that. And consistently, tenaciously, seek God's heart. And then thirdly, trust God to answer your prayers according to His will. Rejoice in what He's doing and some good things are happening. He's answered and you've seen God move. But also continue to trust Him for any of those answers that are yet to come. Let's pray together. Father, I thank You for the time that we could go to Your Word. Thank You for the instruction we received. And I pray that You would bless us today as we struggle to communicate with You on a regular basis. On a a basis of more time devoted to prayer. I pray for my brothers and sisters here at New Hope. For my new friends that even I met today, that all of us would grow in our effectiveness as prayer warriors, as those devoted to prayer. May we trust you, Lord, for the answers you will give. Bless our children, bless our teenagers, bless our extended family members, our friends. That our example would be instructive to them, encouraging to them. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we thank you that any time, day or night, we can pray to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.